0: Let's pray. Father, as we approach your word again this morning, seeking for guidance from it, we come knowing that living as human beings, sinful human beings, is not always easy, but you always give us guidance, you give us direction, you give us wisdom, and you give us power. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Each week so far as I've prepared the messages for this what-if series, I have kind of thought, man, this is the toughest message. But every week I kind of change my mind. And if you paid attention to what Sue read to you before from from James, that, that very first verse, you know, where it says, not many of you should become teachers because you're going to be judged more harshly. And since pastors typically fall into that category, this is kind of an indictment in a way. But I can honestly say today that this probably is the toughest. And the reason I say that is because we got some biblical backup to prove it. This first scripture you're going to see on the screen from James 3.8 says, But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now you can see on this next screen just a couple of pictures, you know, people trying to tame the tongue. Those are just a few of them. I have a cartoon, I wish I could have somehow made a copy of it, but it has this guy has got a gear shift lever in his head and his tongue is out flapping and it says, make sure that brain is shifted into gear before tongue is set into motion. Now, I don't care what you do, uh, you can't fully tame the tongue. It's not like domesticating some sort of a wild animal, but the Bible says you can learn how to at least control it so that you can experience not only God's blessings, but you experience God's power as well. In fact, it is a necessary step in what I would call the Christ follower's life. James says that though it's impossible to tame the tongue like this, we are to learn how to keep a tight rein on it. Now, his exact words are, you see them up here from James 1, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now, I don't normally like the word religious because it has too much of a connotation of what you do. And if I were going to translate this, I might, I might put it in a different, slightly different way. Those who consider themselves to be, quote, Christian and yet don't keep a tight rein well, maybe their Christianity or their so-called Christianity is worthless. So, today, a very hard topic, in a way, learning to control the tongue. And I want to tell you that this is not an option. I mean, you don't get your Christianity chart and, and check off, uh, you know, that you're going to do three out of five. I mean, when Jesus says, here's something you do, you do them all. It's a requirement. It is a discipline That we desperately, and I say today in particular, it's desperately something that we as Christians need to take seriously. Well, let's start as we always have done in these last four weeks. What are the problems you get if you can't control your tongue? Well, I don't think it's very difficult uh, to see what they be. In fact, you don't need to look very far. You can see, first of all, that wrong words can destroy relationships. Now, we know that most divorces end up, uh, is caused by money, but I think if you explore it a little bit deeper, you're going to find that what causes most divorces in America today is not money, it's not really infidelity, it's kind of the accumulative effect of the words that you speak or the words that you fail to speak to your spouse. And so after a while... All of the words you've dumped out on somebody, or let's say all of the lack of words that you failed to give somebody, begin to take a toll on that relationship, and that relationship suddenly cracks, splinters, and breaks. Now, there is a lie that all of us were taught growing up. Anybody know the lie that has to do with words? I was told, it's this one, sticks and stones can break my bones but words will never hurt me. Now, you know the Greek response to that, don't you? Baloney. Or if you like the Hebrew, hogwash. Sticks and stones and broken bones do hurt for a while. But words can last a lifetime. Some of you today still remember stinging words from other kids on the playground. You still remember the words of somebody you thought were a friend. You still remember the words that your parents spoke over you in anger. You need to be careful with your words because once those words are said, they can only be forgiven. It's hard for them to be forgotten. Here's the second thing. Wrong words can make a bad situation even worse. You know, when you continue to speak negatively in a negative situation, you tend to kind of fan the flame of negativity until it gets out of control. Now, let me describe, for example, maybe this has happened to you in a workplace. You you, you can put this workplace anywhere you want to. I mean, I've seen it happen when I was a teacher. I've actually seen it happen when I've been a pastor. I know it happens for students in school, wherever it may be. But here's the situation at work. You've got a problem to deal with, and maybe that problem is a person, let's say it's your boss, and you begin to discuss that problem with your boss or whoever it was, with other workers in that situation, but the discussion is never ever about solving the problem. The discussion is only about the problem. How big the problem is, how bad the problem is, how much you hate the problem, and how much you want the problem to change, and how other people in other jobs don't have this problem, and, and, and on and on and on. And so you just sit there, and all you've done is complain and complain and complain, and the worse the situation gets, you know, it just gets worse. That's because you're speaking negatively into a negative situation, and that only makes it worse. You ever been in a situation like that? I think we all have. You just complain. You don't do anything about it. You make a bad situation batter. That's not a good word. Worse. Okay. However, if you're willing to take control of your words, if you're willing to follow the admonition of Jesus the words of scripture, you can begin to create some changes in your life. So let's ask this question. What good would it do if you somehow got control of your tongue? Well, here's number one. You'd you'd simply become a better person. Now, I think in the very first message that I I shared with you, I had a quote from uh, Norman Vincent Peale. And that quote was, change your thoughts and you'll change your world. And that's pretty good. We we need to know, capture every thought under the word of God. But there's another principle I think we need to keep in mind, and this is, if you change your words, you'll change yourself. James, James 3, 2 says, We all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. So a, a kind of a key to overcoming all those bad sinful habits, it really starts with what comes out of your mouth. So not only would you become a better person, you'd also become, you, the second thing is you, you tend to build other people up. Now, Paul tells us here something as he wrote the Ephesian Christians. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, your words have the ability to tear people down, or they have the power to build people up. You have the power, if you will, to make people quit, or or you have the power to encourage them to hang in there. It kind of depends on how you choose to use your words. Now, I was thinking this last week about prophecy because I have some friends who operate in churches as prophets. It's not something you typically talk a whole lot about in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod because it just makes people scared, I guess. Uh, But um, one of the people I know had written something. It was kind of a prophecy, something that he felt God wanted him to share with people. And one person responded to him. He said, you know, the problem with you prophets... Is you're always so negative. You're always hammering people. Well, I had to kind of laugh because I've heard the same thing said about pastors and sermons. In fact, I don't even put the word sermon in our outline. Do you notice that? I put a message that really nobody wants a sermon. Because a sermon has such a negative, yeah, he just certainly gave us a sermon today. Oh, mom, all she ever does is give us a sermon. And they somehow think that the only good sermon is one if it's really negative. Uh, But do you know the real truth about that? The real truth? Here it comes. You see it it over here at least. 1 Corinthians 14.3 But the one who prophesies, in other words, the one who speaks, it's for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. Now, I hope you get that. When we speak to other people, we ought to be trying to strengthen them in their life, to encourage them in their life, to comfort them in their life. That ought to be the goal of every sermon. That ought to be the goal of every Sunday school lesson we ever teach. It ought to be the goal of every conversation we ever have with other people. That we do what? Strengthen them, that we encourage them, that we comfort them. Not that we beat them down and tear them apart and leave them some sort of a bloody mess on the side of the road. Here's the third thing. You give glory to God if you control your tongue. One of the reasons that you and I are put on this earth, now many of you know that passage from like Jeremiah 29 11 about how I've got plans for you. God's got, got a hope in the future for you. But part of God's plan for you is that you glorify God with your words. In fact, in Psalm 63, 3, it says, My lips will glorify you. Now, we're also called on to glorify God with our actions, that's for sure. But we also must remember that God puts a very high price tag on the things that you and I say. God wants to hear our praises. That's why, you know, when people teach other people how to pray, uh, we sometimes use this little acronym of ACTS. The A is for adoration, the C for confession, the T for thanksgiving, the S for supplication. In other words, we leave all of the asking for the end. And we start out with adoration. We talk about how good and great and powerful and wonderful our God is. God loves to hear that. I mean, how many of you do not like to hear good things about you? You know, we all like to hear it. Well, God loves it. To hear it. Yeah, and just like couples need to remind one another of their love, just like friends need to remind, express appreciation for one another, uh, God wants to hear from his people words of praise and thanksgiving and expressions of love. So, you know, we always get to this point in the service, so what are we going to do about it? How can we possibly put this into practice? So I'm going to give you a few things to think about this morning, and then I'm going to give you an actual assignment. I'm going to ask you to memorize something. Oh, John just shivered. (laughs) Okay, here's the very first thing uh, uh, that you can do. Don't say everything you know. Some of you don't, some of you, this is going to kill you this week. Don't say everything you know. Now, three or four months ago, I was eating with a group of peers. That's as much as I'm going to say. And in the process of sharing lunch together, we began talking about Christian music. And one person in our group happened to mention a Christian artist, a singer, popular Christian singer. And his comment was, oh man, he's my absolute favorite. I am so blessed whenever I hear this guy sing. Immediately, another person at this table said, Oh, really? You know, I have a friend who belongs to his church back in so-and-so. And And I know that this guy is in some sort of a 12-step program for overeaters and that that guy belongs to that group. And you know something? He's bulimic. He has been binging and purging since he was a teenager. Now, i got to tell you, That guy didn't need to say that. He did not need to say that. I'm going to give you two reasons why. I do not like any talk about binging and purging while I'm trying to get a burrito down. (laughs) That's reason number one. But Let me give you a more important reason. Most 12-step groups have the word anonymous in them. People's privacy within these 12-step programs need to be honored. And I could probably add a third reason here. Blabbing that bit of inside information did not build up. (laughs) It did not edify our group. It did nothing to bring glory to God. Now, all I'm saying again, friends, if you know something about someone, it doesn't mean you need to spill your guts about it. Now, if at some time, if this Christian artist ever chooses to you know, go public and, and discuss his his uh, problems with food addiction. That's his choice. Until then, guess what? It's his personal business. It's none of yours. You get that point? You don't need to say everything you know, but you all got friends who always want to know, don't they? Tell me what you know. Tell me what you know. Oh, you were always visiting so and so. Spill, spill it, spill it. Ah, Okay, second, don't say everything you think. <laughs> a, little, a little bit more difficult. Yeah, now, some of you know me. Sometimes it just shoots out. And I'm, I'll be honest with you. I, I have trouble with this one. I, I'm working on this one. But some people, and, and none of you, of course, none of us gathered here today, uh, believe they know a little bit about every subject and a little bit more about every subject than every other person, and they take whatever opportunity they ever have to make sure that everybody else knows that they know more about this than everybody else. You know, whether it's stock market computers, criminal justice, football, basketball, baseball, politics, religion, uh, they believe they have the first and the final word on the subject. And, of course, they always want to share it with you. Anybody remember the show Cheers? Remember Cliff Clavin? (laughs) Ha-ha. The mailman, he's like this. Uh, No matter what subject ever came up in a conversation at that bar, he had something to say about it. He was the self-proclaimed authority on everything and anything. He was also, as a result, the subject of all kinds of jokes. Now, not long ago, I read that it says that in every group of friends that you have, there's a Cliff Clavin. Just think about your friends for a moment. In every group you have, there's a Cliff Clavin. Now, i got to tell you, if you look around your group of friends and you don't see somebody who looks like him, um, go look in the mirror. You may be Cliff or Cliffette. See, we should remember what, what Solomon said, Proverbs 17. Even a fool is thought wise if he... Remain silent. There was a Benjamin Franklin said something to that effect that uh, it's better to remain silent and let people think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay, so first, speak, second, or think and speak. But here's the third one don't repeat everything you hear. The problem with repeating gossip is that there is there's a better than even chance than what you heard is probably not completely true. I mean, gossip tends to be embellished as it goes around. I remember when Nancy and I left our second church. Within months, we kind of realized that there was a rumor being passed around the last church that I had been fired from my new church and that Nancy and I were no longer married. I never, We never did figure out how that got started. And I thought, well, I just got a paycheck the other day. I think I'm still here. And when I went home, there she was. <laughs> so it obviously wasn't true. Church even printed a directory that listed only Nancy Cole. <laughs> see, see what happens when somebody says one little thing and where it goes after that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I think gossip is something that we do not take seriously enough. And I want to tell you, I don't think Christians take gossip nearly as serious as they ought to. I mean, how many times have we ever heard said, or maybe you said, i got to go visit so-and-so and catch up on all the gossip. We say that as if there's nothing wrong with that. And, but I, I have to admit, to a certain extent... Catching up on all of the gossip is kind of a figure of speech. But all too often, it is a very accurate way of how we do conversations. I'll tell you about so-and-so, so so you can tell me about so-and-so. Or have you heard this about so-and-so? Or have you heard this about so-and-so? And sadly, a lot of churches call that prayer chains. Prayer chains hi. You got a moment? I'm just passing this down the prayer chain, but have you heard about so and so? No, really? What happened? And we did blah blah, 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 Okay, pass that on. Click. What never happened? Prayer. That's why one of my seminary professors one time told me, if you got prayer chains in your church, get out the bolt cutter. Get it. Now, I don't want to demean prayer chain. Wonderful thing. But if we never pray about them, Maybe we ought to get rid of them. Why don't you take a look at this passage from Proverbs. I even underlined a word for you. A perverse man or woman stirs up dissensions and a gossip separates close friends. Now, that's something really to think about. Did it ever occur to any of you? And I'm going to tell you that until I saw that passage, it never occurred to me. But did it ever occur to you that when you talk bad about someone... God considers your actions to be perverted. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word perverted. I don't picture it, little puppies in sunlight and sunshine. That's a pretty nasty word. It seems hard to believe, but God says if, if we're not saying good things about people, like the commandments, Eighth Commandment says to defend them and to put the best construction on everything, that we're just practicing a form of perversion. And in my humble opinion... The truer and the juicier it is, the more despicable it becomes to God when you repeat it. God would much rather have us be quiet. I mean, Proverbs 17, 9, He who covers an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. See, repeating everything has the way of separating friendships, separating churches, separating families, uh, separating husbands and wives. That's why we need to learn, God says, to learn to speak and to consider what we speak, if we say anything at all. We don't have to repeat everything we hear. Now, these three steps will get you started. And when you get control of your words, you're able to control other areas of your life. I mean, James 3, 2 says, we all make mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. So I'm just asking you this week and I'm asking myself this week to put these words into practice that God speaks to us don't say everything you know see what happens don't say everything you think don't repeat everything you hear now do you know what this comes down to? for some of you it means you won't have anything to say all week <laughs> for others of you it means that you'll speak less the secret is to use I mean the secret to controlling your words often is using less of them. Proverbs 10 when words are many sin is not absent. But he who controls his tongue is wise. So just like changing your thoughts can change your world, changing your words can change you. Now, I finished this message a couple of days ago and I I just didn't like the way I ended it. And I couldn't figure it out. And I couldn't even figure it out yet last night. I just... Something was missing. And I didn't want to end by saying, be careful what you say. But when I woke up this morning, I knew what I should add to the end of this. If I tell you what not to say, perhaps I should give you a suggestion of what to say. And this what to say, and I don't have this already for you, but I'm going to ask you to memorize two things. The first thing I want you to do is to memorize 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4. And don't give me that nonsense, oh, I can't memorize anything. The person who says that knows about 4,000 cell phone numbers by memory, or they know about 15,000 recipes that Grandma passed down. Or they memorize all kinds of nonsensical songs. But consider memorizing this because Paul summarizes the gospel message. And what I want to encourage you to do, if you've got to share some words this week, why not use them to share the gospel? Paul says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I mean, memorize that passage. And you will have memorized the passage that kind of summates the gospel. But here's the second thing memorize this. This is a way, I'm telling you, I, I, you're not going to be able to copy this dot. And I will tell you that I, I had a few copies in my office, and I had all on a half sheet. I laid some out on the table. There are about 50 copies, so it's called First Come, First Serve. But I'll put more out there so you don't sit out there and badmouth the person in front of you that took the last one and completely negate today's sermon. Okay. (laughs) But how about memorizing this little acronym? You all know what gospel is. I mean, share the gospel. What's the G?
1: God created us to
0: be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Wouldn't that be a whole lot better to share with people this week? I just hope and pray that you'll get an opportunity to do that. I had a couple of opportunities this last week to talk about how a person can be sure that... They're going to heaven when they die. That's a lot better than saying, well, Pastor, what's going on at church these days? And me, blah, 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 to share the good news. And don't worry, we'll get you a copy of this. But I wanted to end by just saying, there's something good to talk about. Maybe just something to park in the back of your mind. And who knows that maybe God will bring somebody into your life this week that you can impart some really great words. You can share the gospel with There it is. You know, so you will be able to close your eyes after a while and just kind of halfway peeking. You know, God created us. All of these words. We'll all be back next week. We're going to memorize that. I'll call on people. Uh Uh-oh. I just passed out. No. (laughs) I wouldn't scare you that way. That's a good thing to remember. Well, let's stand.